Iran stands in defiance of the United Nations in pushing its nuclear program. We'll ask former Secretary of Defense William Cohen how the U.S. should respond. Also, the movie Amazing Grace opens in theaters tomorrow. We'll discuss the amazing story it tells with Ted Bear of Movie Guide. This is Jerry Johnson live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Thank you very much for joining me today for Jerry Johnson Live. I have the pleasure of sitting in for Dr. Johnson. He will be back on Monday in the studio, and I'm so happy to uh, be able to share this program with you today. Today is George Washington's birthday, the first president of our nation. It's also my husband's birthday, so happy birthday, honey. We'll have a little party later. Um, Washington, of course, faced many life and death decisions, as presidents do. Uh, he faced many also to his own person, and here is uh, really the Advice that he gave. Uh, this is in the precious voice, the wonderful voice of our own Larry Williams. He gave this advice to our troops on July 9th, 1776. The blessing and protection of heaven are at all times necessary, but especially so in times of public distress and danger. The general hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. Those are the words of our first president, George Washington, again ag addressing the troops. And this is the day that we celebrate his birthday. And uh, often uh, these days are simply days to give us another holiday. Uh, but it's a very important day to look back uh, on this president who acknowledged God in many of the things that he said and what he did. Well, uh, also later in the program, we're going to talk about the movie that comes out in theaters tomorrow, Amazing Grace. You may well want to put this on your schedule for the weekend. It is quite important uh, that if a movie is to be successful, that it gets uh, a lot of uh, a lot of viewing the first weekend. In fact, it's good for it to come out number one. Also, we're going to talk about the power of the cross with Jerry Newcomb from Coral Ridge Ministry. That's later in the program. But first of all, uh, we have a very special guest. It's a matter of fact, two very special guests. Uh, it is Black History Month uh, this month, the month of February. It's a time to think about the history of racism in this country. Our guests on this topic actually
actually might surprise you because uh, we have with us former Secretary of Defense William Cohen and his wife, uh, Mrs. Cohen, Janet Langhart Cohen, and they have written a new book called Love in Back and, uh, Black and White, a memoir, a memoir of Race, Religion, and Romance, uh, an unexpected topic for, I think, a se- former Secretary of Defense. Uh, he was actually serve. he did serve in the Clinton administration as a Republican from 1997 to 2001. Before that, he was Senator from Maine, and before that, a United States Congressman. And Secretary Cohen and Mrs. Cohen, thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure to be with you today. Hi, Pena. Hi, hello. Uh, it's Pena, and Pena? this is a, a wonderful book. As a matter of fact, oh, we could have done this on Valentine's Day, or we could do it uh, during Black History Month, because uh, it's just a beautiful cover, picture of the two of you, and a wonderful story. It's autobiographical and uh, political, but also I think it has some very important messages about race and religion in this country. And uh, first of all, I, I think, let me just go to you first, Janet, to tell uh, us about some of the obstacles that the two of you faced uh, as you were a biracial couple. Well, um, we haven't faced any real obstacles as a biracial couple, I think because of the progress of America to date. I think also because of our particular mixture, my being a black woman and Bill, of course, white male. I think if that were reversed and it were black male, white female, we might have a different story to tell. Um, The only initial concern uh, I had when Bill was proposing to me, and I kept saying no, was because he is so highly thought of and certainly was as a senator from Maine. And I thought my being married to him, my being black, might cost him his career. And uh, I'm happy to say that I had underestimated Maine and underestimated our country. That was over my objection, by the way. I never, I never uh, underestimated Maine and the people of this country. I knew that uh, there would be very little uh, reaction that we would have to encounter. There was some. And I don't want to minimize it. It's uh, there's still elements of uh, bigotry and racism and anti-Semitism, uh, not only in this country but elsewhere. But we have, uh, as a couple, uh, have not encountered any significant amount. Letters, uh, to be sure, some chance encounters uh, in restaurants. But um, for the most part, uh, we have been embraced uh, by virtually all of my uh, former colleagues and all of uh, the society in which we travel. But as Janet pointed out, it might be quite different uh, for someone who uh, doesn't have either our visibility or uh, titles uh, as such uh, to uh, to help us negotiate our way through the the minefields that are out there for other people. And I think Bill might have had a different perspective and expectation about how we might uh, be received because he had not experienced racism while he had experienced anti-Semitism. Um, racism, both of us growing up in the, in the shadow of World War II, uh, my father uh, fought the Nazis in Europe and had to come back home and fight the Klan and racism here, and he was afraid to wear his uniform uh, in the South, mm. in his home state of Indi- uh, Kentucky, and certainly he had to sit on the back of the bus. So I saw the world and, and how people would view us through a different prism than Bill might have. The book is uh, Love in Black and White, and of course, I might mention that Janet Langhart Cohen is a former model and TV journalist. Of course, uh, Secretary William Cohen, former Secretary of Defense, Senator, and Congressman. He's Jewish. She's black. She was raised uh, by a Southern Baptist mother. Uh, the two of you fell in love, were married. Um, Bill, your parents embraced her, and so did your constituents. So which uh, was it harder to overcome, perhaps, the different 
upbringing than it was uh, the race? And I'll, I'll ask you first, uh, Janet. Um, first of all, um, the interesting thing and wonderful thing about Bill is that he, his mother is Irish and his father is Jewish. And as you know, the Jewish faith requires a matrilineal uh, ascension to being Jewish and not only going to Hebrew school, but your mother had to be Jewish, and if she wasn't, she had to convert. So Bill was um, considered, and he considers himself, half of each and whole of neither. So being an outsider, not being uh, Jewish to the Gentile and being a Gentile to the Jews, he was like an outsider, and he understood and can empathize with my feeling like an outsider living in a a segregated America, in an apartheid America where we had signs up that said colored only, white only. So there were really any obstacles. Um, The the irony is that the obstacles that our our parents may have faced and we may have seen early in our youth uh, prepared us for each other. How did you meet, Bill? I met uh, by accident. Uh, there was one of the, you know, Janet maintains it was preordained. Uh, it was kismet, and, and uh, we were destined uh, to meet. But I was uh, serving on the House Judiciary Committee back uh, during the early uh, 70s, and I had a tremendous cold. And I was um, passing through uh, Boston. My staff had arranged for me to uh, to stop at this uh, very popular radio station, a uh, television station, and to appear on television. And I had no idea who Janet Langhart was, although she was kind of the toast of the town in Boston. And I met her under the very, uh, I would say, unpropitious circumstances. I had a tremendous head cold. I was suffering. I, my eyes were all watery. I, I leaned over to get a drink of water in the room outside of the studio. And as I got up from the water fountain, I blew my nose. And I looked up, and there she was. <laughs> and I took pity on him and married him. Thirty years later. <laughs> well, it is a love story. It's also an autobiography and uh, a political commentary in ways. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit, Secretary Cohen, and uh, just play uh, a little news report from today. Uh, let's go with that. Okay. The International Atomic Energy Agency says Iran has expanded its uranium enrichment program instead of complying with the U.N. Security Council ultimatum to freeze it. So what will it take to stop it? Daryl Kimball of the Arms Control Association. That's not possible unless there are talks. He says the West must reach past Iran's hardliners and open a dialogue with other Iranian leaders. He says U.N. sanctions are an important stick but won't succeed without some carrots as well. And he says U.S. and European Union leaders should waste no time. The clock is ticking. Iran's nuclear uh, program is advancing. David Melendi, Washington. All right, uh, Secretary William Cohen is my guest, also his wife, Janet Langhart Cohen. And Secretary Cohen, Iran uh, appears to be defying the U.N., continuing uranium enrich- enrichment. Of course, this is necessary for a nuclear program, whether peaceful or, uh, or otherwise. They say it's peaceful. We say we think it's otherwise. What should be the U.S. reaction at this point? I think the U.S. reaction should be one of continued diplomacy, but diplomacy that is uh, is really supported by um, the U.N. Security Council resolutions. Uh, I've always taken the position that if uh, members of Congress uh, pass laws and then the laws go unenforced, it breeds contempt for the rule of law. I believe the same thing is true for the United Nations. When the Security Council passes a resolution saying uh, it is not in the global interest for Iran to develop nuclear weapons, and they pass resolutions uh, basically condemning that, then I think they have to stand behind them. I have no difficulty in going to Iran saying, look, 
uh, if you're willing to give up your nuclear uh, weapons program, if you're willing to stop supporting Hamas and Hezbollah, which is undermining the security in the region, then we will welcome you into the international community. We will spend billions of dollars into your economy as part of this international community. But you must uh, forego the nuclear weapons uh, option because otherwise you're going to see Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, uh, United Arab uh, Emirates, all of them will start to do likewise. That makes the world much less safe. So I think if China and Russia, who are the keys here, uh, if they stand behind the resolutions that they supported, we can then go to Iran and say, you can't divide the U.N., you can't divide the United States from France and Great Britain and Germany and Canada and China and Russia and all the other countries who are supporting this, but particularly Russia and China, who have strong economic and political ties to Iran. Then uh, Iran will see it is isolated. It will see that the sanctions are really biting into its economy, causing great discontent within the, America, uh, within the Iranian population. Then I think uh, they can see the wisdom of foregoing nuclear weapons. Yes, you can have nuclear power, but there's an arrangement under which the Russians uh, or others can uh, enrich the uranium and do it for peaceful purposes, which you claim you're trying to do, and not for nuclear weapons, which we suspect you're trying to do. Let me take you to Iraq very quickly. Of course, we've had the House condemn the troop surge uh, over the weekend. Now they're going to be debating these restrictions on funding the troops. Of course, uh, uh, Representative Murtha is basically advocating these restrictions, which would cause uh, what a lot of people are calling the slow bleed of the forces there. What's your response to that? I think much of this could have been avoided. Uh, frankly, I was disappointed that the president didn't uh, embrace uh, most of the uh, Baker-Hamilton report, the so-called Iraq study group. I felt that if the president were to look at the majority of those 79 recommendations and say, yes, there are some I disagree with, but let's see if we can work together, that would have frozen in place a bipartisan coalition and Democrats would have been supporting Republicans together, and let's say for six months, which is a lot of time that you can buy in this uh, uh, political environment. And during that six-month period, take the recommendations of the Baker-Hamlin report, go to uh, uh, Prime Minister Maliki and say, you've got to get control of the sectarian violence, and we're establishing benchmark timelines, uh, whatever the, the terminology is going to be, but we expect you to allow the coalition forces to really go after uh, the uh, militias and to shut them down. You think he could have done that without do more that. troops? Pardon? You think he could have done that without more troops? I think he could. Uh, we could have done that because actually the Baker report uh, allowed for a surge in troops to help train uh, Iraqis to take more responsibility. So there were elements there that would have allowed the president to wrap his arms around it, saying, I, I may disagree on a few of these, but basically the core proposal uh, I can support. And then you would have had, I think, a great deal of difficulty to have Democrats then attack it. And I think uh, having a bipartisan uh, uh, coalition is critical uh, to the president. And now we've seen what the absence of that is. We've seen everybody become a free agent with everyone trying to up uh, mm-hmm. the other in terms of, well, we want to freeze the number, we want to reduce the number. And uh, you don't have a consensus and the country divided is not good for our troops. Thank you so much for being with us. Secretary of Defense, former Secretary of Defense, William Cohen, Janet Cohen. Great book, Love in Black and White. We appreciate your being with us. Next up, we'll talk about the movie coming out tomorrow, Amazing Grace. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. 
Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. The mere politician, equally with a pious man, ought to respect and to cherish them. Those are the words of our first president, George Washington, in his farewell speech uh, as he considered his legacy to our young nation. Of course, today is George Washington's birthday. Those words interpreted by our own Larry Williams uh, here at Jerry Johnson Live. And uppermost in uh, this legacy uh, of George Washington, in his mind, was the importance of religion and morality. Now, there was another statesman who also held to this principle. He was a British member of the House of Commons, William Wilberforce. And I spoke with Dr. Ted Baer about the movie that's coming out about it. Ladies and gentlemen, the life purpose of our next guest is to be used of God to redeem the values of the media while educating audiences on how to use discernment in selecting their entertainment. He's Dr. Ted Baer, and he's the founder and publisher of Movie Guide. He's also chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission. Welcome, Dr. Baer. Thank you so much for joining us. It is great to be with you. I, I always enjoy doing programs with you, so thank you. Dr. Baer, uh, this is an important time uh, with regard to an anniversary of the abolishing of the slave trade in Great Britain, and uh, responsible for that was a very persistent religious gentleman named William Wilberforce, and now he's the subject of a new movie that uh, comes out this weekend, Amazing Grace. Tell us about it. Well, Amazing Grace is uh, truly one of those archetypal movies that you... Uh, I've shown it to a couple of people. I did a book that goes along with it, The Amazing Grace of Freedom. You can find it on the Amazing Grace website or Amazon or whatever. But uh, And it's really just to help people get a grasp of what William Wilberforce was and, and what they can do within their life. This movie it just is an extremely powerful testimony to what one man, uh, a very short... Uh, a man who was extremely weak and sickly, a man who was persistent beyond all cause. One man or woman plus God can make a tremendous difference. When uh, Wilberforce uh, came to Christ, England was the laughing stock of Europe, and uh, when he finished, they abolished the slave trade, but there was also real revival, reformation, renewal in England. They put through the child labor laws, they got rid of the women's prisons. Women used to be sent into prison, uh, for, you know, being pregnant out of wedlock. And, and all of those positive advancements came because a few people chosen by God made a tremendous difference. And uh, William Wilberforce was the head of that uh, brigade that we know as the Second Great Awakening. 
Dr. Bear, we're going to talk uh, in a moment about just uh, the fact that there are more movies out there that are family-friendly and actually uplifting and encouraging uh, to us as a society. But first of all, let's talk a little bit more about the man, William Wilberforce. Uh, This movie is about him. Uh, He was a graduate of Cambridge University, and uh, he was short and sickly, but he was also a gifted speaker. God gifted him with that. Uh, And he he had means. He had money. Uh, But God called him to a greater purpose than just to satisfy his own uh, desires, maybe for fame or, or uh, you know, a, a fun life that he could have had. Instead, he dedicated his life, and it was many, many years of persistence and also animosity from uh, those around him, some of his colleagues. Uh, tell us about how he came to faith and then how he came uh, to make this abolishing of the slave uh, trade as a cause. Well, you've asked a really important uh, question, not only on how he came to faith, but the fact that all these people were <laughs> were reviling him. You've got to remember that when he came to faith, England thought everybody was complicit in the slave trade. Everybody thought that you couldn't have your uh, tea or your sugar without the slave trade. After all, it was the slaves that grew the sugar cane in the, uh, in the Caribbean, and it was the slaves who grew the tea. So... Everything was dependent, and uh, from the you know the least church member to the most, uh, the whole society was against Wilberforce. Now Wilberforce came to Christ at 25. He was uh, a bon vivant. He did have money. He had uh, squandered some of his years at Cambridge, and um, as a matter of fact, I studied at Cambridge at one point. And he then went off to Europe twice in a summer for the ground tour that everybody used to take in those days. Uh, with a friend of his who was a Christian, and they started debating Christianity. And his friend, uh, they challenged him to read uh, the books, and he had grown up with a brief period of time being taken care of by his aunt, who was an evangelical Christian, and going to listen to uh, some of the great preachers in London at that time, uh, the the most uh, profound of which was John Newton. Um, and Wilberforce was, as soon as his mother found out that he was having evangelical influences, she brought him back home and said, you can't stay with your aunt anymore. Uh, but that's a little bit later. He drifted into carousing. He drifted into partying. And then this friend uh, challenged him, and he came to Christ uh, and really was called by God against all expectations, one, to abolish the slave trade, which made him an enemy of almost everybody in England, and two, to reform manners and morals, which made him an enemy of everybody in England. In those days, Pina, you could not have walked down the street without being sexually assaulted. If you had uh, compromised in any way, you would have been thrown into a women's prison. Children were commonly used in in, uh, factories, not like our factories, but factories which they lost their limbs and their lives. It was just, a, and children were born uh, drunk because their mothers drank so much gin. So the, the England that Wilberforce found was debauched, miserable, and laden with slavery. When he left, what we had is a clean England where even the royalty, and this was actually a, a movement among the upper class, where even the royalty would pray with uh, their staff. And at that point, you had uh, Sundays off. And we call it Victorianism. Now everybody today looks back on Victorianism and says, what a terrible thing. Well, it was so terrible that uh, 
children uh, could live their lives in peace. Would that we'd have a bit of that influence today <laughs> right. in America. Of course, I think it was a great thing. There, were diff- there are different problems here, but there is a lot that we as Americans can learn from the life of this man. Uh, we've got problems like uh, abortion here in this country, which some people have equated to slavery. Also, this whole idea of, of human sex trafficking that takes place in America and around the world. And just uh, there is really a hardened society that could definitely use some uh, cleaning up. But uh, I do want to go to the title of the movie because you mentioned uh, John Newton, who was his spiritual mentor. And he is also the author of the wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace, isn't he? Yeah, Amazing Grace, of course. Newton has that wonderful line, which your your audience hasn't seen the movie yet. But if the line doesn't cause you to cry, I, I don't know what will. He says... Uh, you know, I am a great sinner, but Jesus is a greater Savior. Um, and it may just uh, get Albert Finney an Academy Award for such a powerful party. It should if the Academy hadn't become the irrelevant Oscars instead of uh, you know, actually looking to be relevant. And what we've done is taken up the slack and produced the relevant uh, Movie Guide Awards. So and when are those awards? Those awards just occurred. We gave out uh, the top award uh, the Epiphany Prize, the $50,000 Epiphany Prize for TV and movies and the Libertas Prize. And it was a magnificent event because we actually had the president of Disney uh, Studios who came and announced uh, the script-writing winners. And uh, that that was just an incredible, humble, gracious task. And uh, President Bush uh, sent a video, and I thought these people in Hollywood looking at President Bush, greeting him, maybe a little tension, but they he got a... Uh, cheering and uh, a very solid ovation. It was just a, a top producers, the man who produced Superman and all that. It was a great event, great event. But you don't need to know about that. But the uh, I do. We do need to know about it. And uh, you know, I guess I missed it. I thought it was coming up. But I'm uh, always hoping you're going to come out here. And uh, you need to let me know exactly when need, it is. We need you here, Peter, to, to interview them. Uh, Dr. Baer, Dr. Ted Baer of Movie Guide is with me. Uh, one more question. I want to talk about the importance of Christians going to this movie opening weekend. Now, this is the same movie. A- am I correct in saying that the same company, Walden Media, produced The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? I mean, this is well done, isn't it? It is beautifully done, and Walden has produced some good movies, including our best family picture, the best family picture that we chose for last year with Charlotte's Web. Uh, but you pointed out something very important. If a movie doesn't do extremely well the first weekend, it dies quickly. Uh, the first weekend is so critical. For instance, last weekend, uh, Bridge to Terabithia, which got great reviews from everybody, which is based on a Christian book, uh, Disney release, uh, Walden Pictures is one of the best movies uh, it, for families in the last 10 years. It came in second uh, to a movie which was... Uh, uh, one of those comic book, uh, you know, just uh, stretching the imagination, very poorly made, lousy reviews. And uh, because it came in second, it will not last. So Amazing Grace, if we want to see this movie last, Nativity Story, Amazing Grace, Passion of the Christ, they, all of them need us to get out there on the first weekend. It's the nature. And it, actually within the African-American community, they have a, a First Friday club that when they get their movies out there, whatever, Medea <laughs> or any of the others, uh, last holiday, they make the point that this is the weekend to make a difference. So if Christians want movies like Amazing Grace, they've got to get out the first weekend. That's some great encouragement from Dr. Ted Baer of Movie Guide. And Dr. Baer, thanks so much for being with me. Have a great day. You too. 
That was my interview with Dr. Ted Baer. And of course, uh, as he mentioned, John Newton was a spiritual mentor of William Wilberforce. Uh, John Newton wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, a favorite of many of uh, us. And that's the title of the movie. And of course, God's amazing grace is ours because of the cross of Christ. But many Christians don't fully comprehend God's mercy. That's perhaps because we don't think about it enough. We're going to discuss the necessity and the power of the cross with Jerry Newcomb of Coral Ridge Ministries. Also, I want to mention Encounter Encounter Criswell. Coming up Wednesday, March 1st, uh, it's a way to get acquainted with the Criswell College. Go to class, worship in chapel, have lunch with the professors, Encounter Criswell. For more information, go to www.criswell.edu or give us a call at 800-899-0012. That's Encounter Criswell, Monday, March 1st, 2007. Stay with us. We'll be right back. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. The fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. Let us therefore rely on the goodness of the cause and the aid of the supreme being in whose hands victory is to animate and encourage us to great and noble actions. And again, uh, thanks, Larry Williams, for reading the words of George Washington. Of course, our first president today is his birthday. And uh, this was George Washington speaking um, speaking uh, in another one of his memorable speeches. And, you know, it's very interesting today. I found uh, a piece in USA Today by Michael Novak and Jana Novak talking about George Washington and really lamenting the fact that uh, all the presidential candidates right now are going out uh, for the God vote. Each of these candidates, they say, would do well to study the record of George Washington, our first president, who more than anyone else established the nation's traditions for speaking about God. They say uh, there is much we can learn from the way that Washington viewed God and liberty, especially at this time when the world around us seems inflamed with religious passions. These days, says Michael Novak, not every idea God uh, of God has the same consequence his boy, isn't that the truth? And, you know, often in his speeches, George Washington mentioned the word providence. He'd, he would use the word providence instead of God. And uh, he really didn't use the words Jesus Christ. But I think uh, as you read his speeches and you understand what he said, you understand that he really was a true believer and uh, that this father of our nation, uh, our first president of the United States, was certainly guided uh, by biblical principles. And uh you know, it, it is necessary to understand what he meant by God. A lot of people say that this was an impersonal God that he was speaking about. And I wonder, what do you think? Uh, do you think that he was speaking of the God that we Christians believe in, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do you think this was a different God? Um, the number is 800-881-9270. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, we're waiting for Jerry Newcomb from Coral Ridge Ministries to join us. I want to mention, uh, as I... Um, as I highlighted Encounter Criswell coming up next week, a way to get to know the Criswell College. Uh, it's coming up March 1st. I said it was Wednesday. It's actually Thursday, March 1st. And this is really a good time for uh, anyone who's thinking of 
going to the Criswell College, getting a degree, either undergrad or graduate, or even just taking classes there uh, for credit or not for credit, uh, we've got wonderful professors. You can learn theology, and you can learn New Testament, Old Testament, and uh, so much available here at the Criswell College, and it's convenient for many uh, to to get here, even for evening classes. So uh, Encounter Criswell, it's uh, Thursday, March 1st, 2007, and you can go to class. You can also go to our chapel service and worship there, and you can have lunch with and get to know professors. Uh, to get more information about it, www.criswell.edu, or give us a call at 800-899-0012. Well, I also want to give you an update on an issue that we've been covering uh, for several, actually a couple of weeks uh, since the um, governor of Texas, Governor Rick Perry, issued a mandate, an executive order mandating that sixth graders get uh, the human papillomavirus vaccine. We've had several experts on it, and we've had several who are involved in the political process. And uh, your phone calls to your legislators uh, are needed right now because a committee has actually passed uh, something that would condemn and overturn this executive order. Uh, This is uh, many of the members of the House and also the Senate uh, in Texas believe that uh, this is a matter for legislators, that it shouldn't have been mandated and that it undermines parental rights. And uh, so if you, uh, this will be voted on in the full House, and uh, so you might want to give your uh, member of the House, your state representative, a call and let them know how you feel about this. Uh, There's also another piece of news with regard to this. Merck and Company Uh, has announced, and of course Merck is the maker of the human papilloma vaccine, human papilloma virus vaccine. They've announced that they are immediately suspending their lobbying campaign to persuade state legislatures to mandate that adolescent girls get this vaccine. Of course, uh, some people think this is a vaccine against cervical cancer. What it is is a vaccine against the human papilloma virus. This vaccine uh, protects against several strains, like three or four strains of this virus, which is responsible for 70% of all cervical cancer. So it's not a blanket, complete protection. It just protects against some. In a sense, I think that gives a false sense of security. Others, though, also saying it undermines parental rights. Others say it's a good idea, and all 11- and 12-year-old girls should get this three-dose vaccine. If you have another comment on this, you can also give us a call. And again, the number is 800-881-9270. But Merck uh, has come under fire. Uh, Of course, the Centers for Disease Control has recommended that 11 and 12 year olds get this, but they have not mandated it. Doctors groups have also said it's a good idea, but a mandate is not a good idea. Merck has taken a lot of criticism, and of course they stand to make a lot of money. One of the reasons is because another company uh, is also going to come out with one of these vaccines, and I think uh, Merck wants to get the business before the other company uh, comes out with it, and I'll find that in a moment, uh, what company that is. But um, this is a victory to say that uh, Merck and company will no longer lobby states to make this vaccine Gardasil mandatory for school atten- uh, attendance. Uh, I want to so give us a call if you have comments on this, and you know we'd still love to hear from you whether you think uh, mandating this vaccine is a good idea, uh, or whether we should leave this up to parents. And again, the number is eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero. Yesterday, uh, we had uh, we did an interview with Congressman Joe Barton uh, of Texas, and he was very gracious to come to KCBI. 
and uh, to spend some time with the folks at KCBI, and then later in the day to do an interview with me. And we talked about several subjects uh, that uh, he deals with as a longtime 22-year member of the House of Representatives of the House of Representatives, the U.S. Congress. And my final question to him at the end of the segment had to do with embryonic stem cell research. It's an issue we discuss uh, frequently here on the program, and it has to do with expanding federal funding of this research, which destroys the human embryo uh, in the research. And there's been a debate here in the state of Texas and nationwide on whether we should fund this research, whether or not uh, this particular type of research is even moral, and we should even be dealing with it, and uh, going beyond that, whether uh, we should fund this. And so I asked him about it, because I know that the Commerce uh, Committee, which he is chairman of, well, has been chairman of, now he's the ranking member, uh, is, a, is a big part of whether this moves forward. And this uh, bill was passed in the House and the Senate. President vetoed it, and we're hearing that it's going to come up again. So I just want to uh, play again his answer to my question about his position on federal funding of stem cell research. I have voted for what's called the, in the last Congress the to get the Castle to get bill, and now in this Congress the to get Castle. It's the same bill uh, with the same sponsors. They switch the names around. Yeah, uh, because of the majority switches. Um, I'm hopeful though that. The, the science and the, and the research gets ahead of the politics and it doesn't be, continue to be a political issue. There is some evidence, and Congressman Bartlett of uh, Maryland has a bill, that there's a way to take a, a cell out of a, an embryo without destroying the embryo. And, and then you can create the stem cells from that. Uh, I'm a co-sponsor of that bill, and if, it, uh, if that bill... Uh, bears if law bears fruit and that technology works, then you don't have to have a debate about about um, about embryos. Uh, I did support the Castle to Get bill because the embryos it would use are embryos that uh, are going to be disposed of um, and not used for life because they're the the the, the, the couples the custodians have um, decided that they. Uh, uh, they don't want to use it for reproductive purposes. So uh, those embryos may be destroyed anyway or will be destroyed anyway. That is the contention here, and perhaps that's the case still. I think uh, funding this research that relies on destro uh, destroying a human embryo, a human life in the nascent stages, is uh, just flat wrong, and the federal government shouldn't be doing it, and we need to uh, continue to oppose it. President Bush took a principled stand there, and I might mention Joe Barton is a conservative, and he does a great job on so many issues. He's pro-life. I just feel that on this particular one, he is wrong. We are taking your calls. Uh, lots of subjects on the table. Let's go to Mary in Flower Mound. Hi, Mary. Thanks for calling. Hi, Penna. Yeah, I just wanted to comment about the, uh, the vaccine and you know, it just makes me wonder, as a believer, where's the consequence of sin? And, you know, I have a, a three-year-old daughter, and we we haven't vaccinated either her or my baby son. And I think So it, you're talking uh, about vaccines in general here. Right. But as far as even the HPV vaccine, mm -hmm. and it has to do with, you know... Um, 
yeah, the consequence really of sin. So yeah, really, what this uh, what this does, in a sense, it's a quick fix. That's what I've called it. Right. It's a quick fix to say you can go ahead and uh, you know not worry about your behavior right. so much because you might have a little bit less chance of getting this uh, virus and hence cervical cancer. Well, thanks yeah. for your call, Mary. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Marilyn in Dallas. Hi, Marilyn. Thanks for calling. Marilyn's gone. Let's go to David in Maui, Hawaii. Must be listening online. Uh, go ahead, David. I think we're missing David. We, I think we had a little problem with our phones here. But, you know, we still continue to take your calls. Uh, we want to know what you think. We get lots of listener response on the wisdom of the state mandating this human papillomavirus vaccine, whether it undermines parental rights or whether it's a good medical mandate to prevent uh, cervical cancer. So we'd love to hear from you. And again, the number is 800-881-9270 on this uh, February 22nd, George Washington's birthday. Also, don't forget about Encounter Criswell, Thursday, March 1st, 2007. Learn more about the Criswell College. You can find out more about that on uh, at www.criswell.edu. Uh, join us next. We've got more, and we're taking your calls. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. The blessing and protection of heaven are at all times necessary, but especially so in times of public distress and danger. The general hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. Of course, again, thanks, Larry, for uh, reading these quotes from George Washington. It is George Washington's birthday, and I think that particular one is very applicable today. And uh, as uh, Michael Novak wrote in USA Today today, uh, he writes, Today, as our nation faces extremists who threaten our existence because they despise liberty, many Americans still to turn to the same providence that sustained our leader through the tumultuous years of the long, bitter war for independence. Islamic extremism has launched a worldwide battle that will not be won by atheism alone. It will test every fiber of our moral and religious strength. 
We need God and we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, the Houston Chronicle reporting today, a House committee handed a stinging rebuke to Governor Rick Perry by voting to rescind his executive order requiring preteen girls to be vaccinated against the sexually transmitted virus that causes cervical cancer. The public health committee vote was six to three with all Republican members and one Democrat voting to reverse Perry's order. Three other Democrats voted against the bill. Now goes to the full House for consideration. If you care about this, you might want to give a phone call or an email or something to your member of the Texas House of Representatives. We are taking your calls on this and other issues. 800-881-9270. Let's go to Carol in Mineral Wells. Hi, Carol. Hi. Thanks for calling. Oh, wait. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm really uh, unhappy about this decision because I don't think, first of all, it's giving parents a chance to do what they think is right for their child. And I understand that there is a, an opt-out system, but I think we should have to have that. I think that they should put it on the market, and if the parents their child, it's up to the parents. And um, I think he's very uh, wrong in trying to force this on the public and, and the families. And I also think it's causing the, uh, the children or the young ladies that uh, are going to be giving this, they're going to ask what it is, and the parents have to tell them, you know, that's going to give them an okay, fine, to go do what you want to do. It sends a, a sort of a mixed message to young girls because many parents are uh, very careful to teach their children abstinence until marriage. And so then when you're 11, you know, you've been getting this message, and this is really kind of the time when some parents start teaching it. You still have to, you know, haul them down to the doctor three times because you've got to get three shots uh, to make this vaccine fully complete to the tune of $360. So you drag her down there. She hates shots anyway. Why do I have to get this? Well, uh, it's for this disease. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of tell them how you can get it, basically, Mm -hmm. to be honest. So it really does send a mixed message. And I appreciate your uh, input on this, Carol. We really appreciate it. Let's go go now to Carrie uh, in Commerce, Texas. Carrie, thanks for calling. uh, Thank you for taking the call. You know, I, I just want to make a comment about something you said about so many parents teaching abstinence. Unfortunately, I think that's a problem today, is so many parents aren't teaching abstinence in the family. I think so many people have pulled away from the biblical values that they were raised in, say, 25, 30 years ago, the parents who are raising these children today. I am very thankful that um, of the decisions that were made today. I do not believe that a big business should be running our government. Our government officials are elected for us, and I think it was proven today that we have placed some good government officials who listen to the people uh, in our Senate. But one thing we have to remember, and, and it goes back to what you said, we have got to get our country back to being a biblical country, a godly country, a faith-based country. And that's where we're getting away from. We're allowing our government to say, okay, I will control your children. I will tell you to do what to do with your children. And so many people accept that. And, and that's, that's what's really sad. But mm-hmm. uh, I enjoy your program every day, and I just wanted to say that. And, and let, let's get our country back on track where we need to go. 
We wouldn't need uh, this type of vaccine if uh, it was sort of the general consensus among families and among young people that you save sex until marriage. But I think Carrie's right. It's not the general consensus. I don't think it's a bad thing that we have this vaccine. And I think a lot of people should get it because they're not going to behave uh, in the way that uh, many of us would hope they would. Uh, They aren't committed to abstinence until marriage. And some parents really aren't communicating that message. I think that's true. In fact, many parents are not. In that case, it's probably a wide idea to go ahead and get the vaccine. Let's go to Faith in Arlington. Faith, go ahead. Hello. Hi, Faith. Thank you for calling. Hi. I'm, I've heard your comment about the HPV vaccine, and I have a 17-month-old daughter who I'm absolutely planning on teaching abstinence to, but I was informed of something the other day that I was wondering if you could clear up or tell me if it was true. But I'll try. Basically, that the HPV virus is something that you can get from a toilet seat. I don't believe that's true. You can get it um, through sexual contact, and um, I have read that it doesn't have to be um, going all the way to intercourse, that you can get it just from, you know, genital contact. Uh, I don't, I've never read, in all the reading I've done, and I've got a stack here, I've never read you can get it from a toilet seat. Okay, well, that's good. I was really serious when they mandated it but I was just wondering because you know I Mm -hmm. want to protect my daughter but I want to have the right to say that she doesn't have to get that absolutely let's take another call from Teresa in Granbury hi Teresa hi how are you doing great I thank you for taking my call uh first of all I am for uh for the girls having to take the um the immunization for several reasons number one uh, like you mentioned, like a previous call mentioned, not all parents are teaching their kids about abstinence. And there are parents that are giving their own children mixed messages, and some parents are trying to teach their kids about abstinence, but kids make bad decisions. And mm-hmm. they will mess around and end up, you know, getting sick. Who should decide There's who gets sick? a situation where you have... Um, pedophiles out there who will go again. So if you've got an 11 or 12-year-old girl that has been molested by somebody, God forbid, but it does happen, that shot will, those shots will help to protect your daughter. And even if it's only 70% effective, mm-hmm. 70% is better than nothing. Just give me a quick uh, yes or no. Should it be mandated yeah. because we're coming up on the end of the program? Absolutely. Okay, great. Thanks, Teresa. We appreciate your call. Thank you to the rest of you who have called in. Unfortunately, we're coming up on the end of the program, and uh, we hope that you'll call us back tomorrow. We'll continue to cover this subject. Uh, And uh, there are some who believe that everybody should be uh, inoculated, and uh, it seems like most of those in the Texas House of Representatives, at least on this particular committee, do not believe that. Uh, If you have uh, an opinion, you ought to call your representative, your House member. Uh, George Washington, it's his birthday today, and of course, uh, he talked about Providence, but I believe he was really talking about God, and uh, God really allowed him to be the man that he was, the leader that he was, and uh, we ought to think about that as we continue to look at choosing leaders in this country. Join us tomorrow for Jerry Johnson Live. I'll see you then. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. 
for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.